Hello and welcome to all the fabulous speaker seekers out there. I'm Udbha Venkatraman, your host and science reporter for the Daily Wildcat student newspaper. You're listening to Behind the Beaker, the Daily Wildcat Science Podcast. So in my last episode, I said that my weeks were full and somehow I have had the exact same activities and commitment levels, but it feels like my days are even more full. Like last week feels like a year ago and the beginning of the school year feels like 30 years ago. And although it's been really busy, you know, I've just been very happy. I've been working on building my support structures around me for a while, but it's just so nice to lean on them and, you know, uh, be able to use them. I've been hanging out with my friends a lot, you know, while vibing to music, playing some cards against humanity. I've been having crackhead solo dance parties in my room and singing like nobody's business. And this past Saturday, I had this really nice self-care day where I took a nice warm bath, then I took a short shower and walked over to a pho restaurant in the Tucson area while listening to the whole Planet Her album by Doja Cat. If you love this album as much as I do, please DM me on Instagram. Let's talk about it. And, you know, it was just, it was a breezy, uh, it was breezy, but it was a warm breeze and it was just so really wonderful and healing. And I do this thing um, called the song of the day where I write down on a colorful post-it note the song that I've been vibing with that day and I stick it onto my dorm room's door. And it's a nice physical representation and a colorful representation of all the music I'm listening to. So I thought that as a recurrent thing, I could maybe share uh, the songs that I've been listening to or the music that I've been vibing with. And if you, science podcast listener, you, lovely beaker seeker, relate to it or really like the song, just hit me up again and let's talk about it. So this week's songs are The Way You Don't Look At Me by Demi Lovato, Almost is Never Enough by Ariana Grande and Nathan Sykes, Hurt by Christina Aguilera, Upgrade You by Beyonce, Forever by Fletcher, Halo by Beyonce. And today's song that I've been vibing with nonstop is She's So Gone by Naomi Scott from the Lemonade Mouth movie. Hands down, Lemonade Mouth has the best Disney Channel movie soundtrack. Do not come for me, I will fight you. Okay, I love this movie soundtrack so much, and I really wish Lemonade Mouth was a real band. Anyways, on to today's guest. I had the pleasure of interviewing my lovely TA for my physiology class, Imene Conchis. She is a graduate student in the Department of Physiology and future badass doctor. She is such a kind and open and sweet person, and she has this really, really wholesome sense of humor. Um, one time in class, she was talking about some health disparities related to cardiovascular health, and she had on the projector this picture of this old woman, and she was like, so this is my grandma. Pause. And then she's like, JK, this is a random old lady that I found on the internet who looks happy and healthy. <laughs> and that, that really gives you a sense of the wholesome sarcasm that she has. And she has such a pretty voice and she's so hardworking and ambitious. And she has such a beautiful soul, like the manifestation of girl boss, if there ever was one. 
In this episode, we talked about her educational journey, non-traditional educational and life paths, graduate school, being a TA and a teacher, coping and overcoming depression, burnout, and imposter syndrome. We talked about the work that her lab does. We talked about music. We talked about her very, very cool and life-changing medical mission providing free healthcare services to people living in rural and mountainous areas of Peru. And of course, the standard mentor-mentee relationship and general advice that she has for people who are slightly uh, farther back on the same similar kind of journey that she's on. So if any of these topics are of interest to you, you'll love this episode. Let's go to the interview. We are here with my amazing physiology <laughs> TA, Ivana Kanchis. Uh-huh. First question I wanted to ask you is if you could just talk a little bit about what you were like as a kid and growing up, what did you really like to do? What characteristics would you describe yourself as? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Peru, first of all. Uh, I'm not from here. And I think that gives me a different perspective, you know, about things that we can talk about later. But I grew up in Peru and I moved to the States uh, about six years ago. So uh, as a kid, I was uh, basically just, you know, really into exploring, like traveling and playing with my friends. Um, I, I was definitely interested. I, w- I think I was different than other kids, just a little bit in which, um, you know, I really like math and science. So in school, I was always focused. You know, I always had good grades, but not because I had to get good grades, but because I really enjoyed learning. So since the very beginning, you know, I was very curious and wanted to learn, you know, this language or this language and wanted to learn, you know, what happens with, I don't know, like I had just all these questions in my head, you know, why is the sky blue? Why? you know, this is a thing and why not? So uh, yeah, I just remember that and uh, I grew up really happy, you know, my parents always supported me and that's why I'm here today because of their support, but also uh, due to my hard work. Um, and yeah, that's 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 kind of like a little bit of my childhood, but I always enjoyed learning. So I think that was uh, kind of how my passion for science started. Wonderful. And could you talk a little bit about like your educational journey and how you got, why you came to the University of Arizona, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So um, when I finished high school here uh, in, the, in Arizona, then I applied to a community college and I got in, of course, and I did two years of community college in uh, Prescott, Arizona. I don't know if, you, mm-hmm. if you've been there, but it's just a little town. And then I got a scholarship that would pay my tuition for uh, either of the state universities. So like Northern Arizona, NAU, ASU, or here, the U of A. So I picked the U of A, I picked Tucson because I like the weather, or not, you know, it's not as hot as, <laughs> as Phoenix but also because it's like a small community. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a small city girl, you know, I, I, I like small like places and not too crowded. And yeah, I, I really like Tucson when I first visited. So I was like, yeah, I'll choose Tucson. And here I am finishing uh, my master's degree. I finished my undergrad in physiology and now I'm doing my master's in applied biosciences uh, with emphasis in immunology and microbiology. So what was like, how, how did you, um like decide or like come to the conclusion that you wanted to go to grad school and what's the whole process for that yeah absolutely so um since i was maybe a teenager i wanted to be a doctor so 
just thinking about that, you know, you have to pick a, a, you have to be in the science field. So I'm still pursuing that, but what I'm why I'm doing my my graduate uh, program right now is so I can become a better applicant and a, a better candidate for medical school because nowadays it's very competitive, as you probably know. Yeah. Um, people they're very selective with the people they admit. So. Uh, I do have some, you know, qualities on my side that do, uh, you know, put me kind of an, as an advantage, but others don't. Like, I'm not a citizen, you know, so I have to kind kind of just be outstanding in any way yeah. possible. So having a master's degree uh, definitely puts you out there and sets you apart from other candidates. And in the meantime, you know, I can also be... Uh, getting some volunteer hours and I can be, you know, getting some more experience and more research experience that that's what some uh, universities really value. So that's why I'm doing my program. But uh, research is amazing, you know, so I'm learning a lot and I definitely encourage everyone to to kind of try that path if they're interested in applying to medicine uh, or to go into medical school later on. Mm. And and why why uh, this particular master's program? That's a great question. So. Um, I picked this program because I have a huge passion on microbiology. Uh, since um, like my first year in in, um, in community college, I had an amazing microbiology professor, and he was just wonderful. He's the one that inspired me to kind of delve, you know, keep looking deeper and deeper into microbiology. So he was the reason why. And then as I kept going on and taking more classes, I really realized that this was where, you know, what I wanted to study or at least, you know, be in contact for the rest of my life. Um, and microbiology and immunology go hand to hand. So the same thing happened with immunology. I had really amazing professors here at the U of A that uh, really inspired me through their research. And uh, they really showed me like how big and how amazing the world of immunology is and how much there is to learn. Uh, that is just amazing, and uh, so we need you know more people, either scientists or doctors, that uh, want to you know put their efforts into just learning more about it because I think that's where the key for curing diseases is, especially you know like related to pathogens and, and, and viruses and parasites. Uh, if we study those um, you know uh, fields, I feel like we'll definitely be able to just keep going uh, further in, into science and, and, and keep helping people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. could you name drop a few of those professors that you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, from the U of A, um, not just immunology, but someone that inspired me also to become an educator is Dr. Bobby Anglin. She is in uh, she teaches organic chemistry for semester. Uh, immunology professors that I had, Dr. Uh, Shenton, he's in the immuno- in immunobiology department. Uh, Dr. Wu, she's not in the department anymore, but uh, she was also a good teacher, um, and she was doing a lot of amazing things with her research. Uh, let me think. There is a lot of professors in, in the immunology department that also co-teach or co-direct these classes. Um, some of them are, like only two, I think they're offered for undergrads, but the other ones are offered only for graduate students. So if you do, if you do have a passion in immunology, I would definitely suggest doing this program specifically because it gives you all the different mentors, you know, from that department specifically that are looking at more in particular uh, types of research like parasitology, virology, um, you know, immunology per se, and, and yeah, those are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, actually, I think this is like a perfect segue to a question I usually ask later in mm-hmm. the interview, but. Um, 
who have been like the mentors or role models or inspirations that have really like you know brought you up and what makes a good you know uh, what makes a good mentor mentee relationship what qualities do you look for when mm-hmm. you're looking for a mentor mm-hmm. and what qualities do you think make someone a good mentee mm-hmm. absolutely so so just to name a few at least my first microbiology professor he was just a temporary mentor because I was able to talk to him and, and tell him about you know what I was interested in and he gave me different options um, his name is Paul Evans he's back in uh, Yavapai Community College but here I my current mentor her name is Vanessa White and that's um, she is at the um, she's my boss of my internship right now and uh, one of the her biggest qualities, I would say, in my opinion, that she's very patient and she's very passionate about her work. That I think if you don't have passion, then you have nothing. You you don't have anything, you know, because that's what's it's inspiring your work and what's that's what's fueling you, you know, every day in order to keep going what you're doing. And at the end of the day, to to reach a goal, right? So if someone lacks that, I don't think that they could be a good mentor at all. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's the most important thing. But uh, I would say being patient and uh, also learn how to listen because people sometimes just, you know, they you think they might be listening, but they're actually not. So her, for example, she's very receptive, you know, in the sense like if I don't understand anything, like she makes sure that I am understanding, like she guides me through the processes and that I've never done before. So she understands as well that, for example, I haven't done this before and she's really patient and she listens and she's very assertive. So I feel like those are maybe the three top most important qualities for a mentor. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's many more, but at least for me and what's going on right now with my life, that's kind of like what I need the mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. And for a mentee, I would say kind of the same thing. You have to be able to listen, be able to recognize your mistakes, because of course you're not, you know, you've never done this before, this procedure or this uh, protocol. So you have to be able to recognize your mistakes. Um, you have to be respectful, of course, uh, assertive, because you want to take the criticism or you know any feedback uh, on the right way, right? You you want to take it so you can improve. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that's probably the most important one. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> I would also like I'm get, just based on what you said in the very beginning. I'm sure like your parents also played a huge oh yeah a huge role in mm-hmm. like helping you by supporting mm-hmm. you and helping you figure out. Um, what you want to do and mm-hmm. like, what do you say? Like encouraging you to pursue your science and math and education passion, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. they're my big inspiration too. I I look at my dad uh, a lot because he pursued his masters later on in his career. So when mm-hmm. he was like fifty, yeah. he got his masters. And uh, just looking back, you know, he was always like very focused and very like center, and I love that. So I definitely look up to him for his work ethic, and of course, as a parent, you know, he mm-hmm. supported me with whatever um, wanted to do. So I, you know, I told him I'm gonna do masters now, and they're like, okay, <laughs> and you know, eventually I'll apply to medical school. But that's that's yeah. the end goal. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's so that's so nice to hear, and I think. I don't, I don't know, like, how it is in, like, uh, Peruvian culture, mm-hmm. but I know, like, definitely in, like, the South Asian community, mm-hmm. there's there's definitely, like, a bit of, like, 
I don't know, like, it, maybe it's also just perceived judgment of, right. like, if you, like, take a non-traditional path, mm-hmm. like, if you don't become a software engineer or right. a doctor. <laughs> or a doctor. It's, yeah, it's like, um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I think that's very, like, touching, honestly, and inspirational mm-hmm. to hear, like, somebody, like, pursue their master's degree when they're mm-hmm. 50. It's like mm-hmm. anybody can do it, yeah. you know? And, like, yeah. you know, it's like cir- a lot of circumstances may come in the way of, anybody taking a traditional path you know absolutely i feel like nowadays nothing is really traditional Mm -hmm. per se you know you can do whatever you want as long as you're happy and i think people have to understand that you know you don't have to fulfill everyone's like expectations you have to fulfill your own but also make sure that you're happy along the way because if you're miserable then it's not for you or you know you're not meant to do it so that's what i've learned you know throughout the years just studying physiology because are you also a physiology major yes. or you're okay. I'm a physiology major. yeah you know that the the you know the more classes you take the harder they get and the more demanding and then you know they're, they're just more demanding and and uh you know at some point you might feel like burnt out um so if you feel like what you're doing doesn't satisfy you or at least you're not learning anything from it or you're just completely like upset about it then maybe it's a good time to take a break and i'm not saying like dropping out of school but maybe considering taking like a less load or considering taking like more uh, fun classes like elective classes so because you know like we're saying mental health is such an important uh, aspect that students uh, often just forget or just mishandle you know and then that's when you go down the road and it can really affect you you know you and your career and just everyone around you mm-hmm. so yeah perfect segue <laughs> like um have you dealt with any mental health challenges and how have you gone about um coping with that you know and uh dealing with that especially grad school i imagine mm-hmm. is really really stressful you uh, know yeah. and teaching mm-hmm. on top of that that's a lot you know <laughs> Yeah, so currently, I mean, right now, I'm in a good place, Yeah. but um, when I was, I think I was a junior or a senior, probably both years, I don't remember, I did, I was really sad, so it, it was that summer, I was, I think it was on my senior year, actually, before my senior year, I was trying to study for the MCAT, and I just remember it being like, like I'm telling you, you know, like completely, I was just in a dark place, yeah. so... I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I was dreading like waking up every day and like getting up from my bed. I was dreading going to the library every day and studying for so long. So I was just thinking like, what's the point of this? You know, just really, really got in my head. And what's the point of all this effort that I'm doing? Like if at the end of the day, I'm probably not gonna get in. So thinking that, you know, you're like, oh, you're so negative and you just get into the spiral uh, where you're just in a really dark place and everything is just, just dark and and it's really hard to get out of that yeah. by yourself. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling like that for a long time, like just worthless and everything was pointless and I didn't want to get out of bed and I didn't want to eat and I didn't want to, you know, exercise. I found myself going to the doctor to get like my blood drawn or something and uh, I don't know if, if, you, if you've gone to campus health but they show you this green sheet that says you know like are you feeling hopeless blah 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 and then the other question uh, two questions to identify if you're like a suicide risk or, or anything like that and I remember reading the first question like are you feeling worthless or hopeless and luckily the doctor wasn't there and I just started crying <laughs> I just started crying and like thinking about it just like breaks my heart but 
that's was that was the moment when I was like, oh, I'm not good. <laughs> you know, I need to get help. Yeah. So it was probably the next day or the next couple of days where I made an appointment with CAPS and mm-hmm. I, you know, was just crying and telling them how I felt. The very first time I got there, um, you know, when you're waiting for your appointment, I just kept crying, crying. I couldn't stop crying. And like in my, my mind was just like, I don't know what was going on. But I just remember that like pain that I was feeling, you yeah. know, that like um, my, my, my neck was just so tight and I couldn't breathe and I just wanted to cry. Um, and and yeah, that was, that was the first time I went to CAPS on my senior year because I realized I <laughs> kind of like, you know, was burnt out and lost control of myself and I needed to talk to someone. Um, so looking back, I was the best decision I made, but I mean, um, at the end, you know, what, what happened is that I was depressed. Um, everything that I've accomplished, you know, I've won scholarships, I was uh, doing amazing in my classes, uh, and my parents were proud of me and my friends were proud of me, whatever, but I wasn't proud of myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was my thought process back then. Like, I was thinking, I'm doing all these things, but I'm not satisfied. Like, I'm doing all these things, but I'm not happy. You know, like, what's wrong with me? Um, to that sense, like, the the depression wasn't caused because... I think it was par- partially the cause because I was burnt out. But uh, there's some, like, family trauma that I have uh, when I was a child, when I was a, um, a teenager that, you know, when you're an adult, yeah. kind of, like lashes out and mm-hmm. uh, it flourishes yeah. it's so weird but um but yeah that was i was experiencing that and and i think that was like that trauma and also just myself just feeling you know just worthless and and you know pointless uh on whatever i was doing back then that um allowed me to fall into that um depression and a little bit of anxiety too mm-hmm. so after that and you know therapy and all that it didn't really work so i had to go to a psychiatrist and get mm-hmm. med- medication because yeah. i was so resistant though i don't know yeah. how it's in the um you know asian culture but i was so resistant to not get medicine because mm-hmm. i felt like i already like lost my battle you know yeah what is this gonna do yeah it's just like taking another pill and saying maybe 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 it'll do something yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or i don't know if there's a stigma with mental health yeah. also because uh, in, in the latino culture there is you know yeah. like oh if you're taking medication like you're weak or mm. you know i don't know how it is or you're for crazy you. yeah, yeah or you're crazy or weak yeah. uh, or both um so i i've been battling the stigma on you know medication especially for mental health problems mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day i just realized like it's just i just have to do it yeah. <laughs> you know for my own sake and for the sake of my family and my friends because I wasn't myself um, for a while. And then when I started the medication, I completely felt like myself again. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a big advocate of um, you know, mental health problems and uh, you know, taking whatever drug will help you. you know, at the end of the day, there's some chemistry, uh, some chemical imbalance in your brain. So that's what's causing you know, these, these uh, mood changes or these uh, really negative thoughts. Uh, and since you know, I started, um, I've been like going on and off, on and off, but uh, since I went back to it, I've been doing great. So yeah, so right now I'm in a good place, but yeah. it wasn't like that <laughs> before, you know. And and I don't mind talking about it at all yeah. because I feel like everyone, or at least you know, everyone should be aware of, of what's going on, you know, as as a science student or whatever. You don't have to be a science student, but yeah. just as a, as a student and as a person, uh, everyone goes through through these kind of things at some point.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really sincerely appreciate you being so open and mm-hmm. vulnerable and detailed <laughs> about it, you know. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, you know, it's, it's, it's so difficult to oh, deal yeah. with those challenges, you know, and like you don't know what exactly is going on necessarily. Or even if you do, it's like, I don't know if this solution is going to work. Yeah. How, long, how long am I going to try to stay with this solution? Exactly. You know. Is this like, is, I don't, it, it's just a lot of gray, I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? A, it's, it's a lot yeah. of uh, uncertainty. So yeah. I think that doesn't contribute to, you know, how you're feeling already. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. There were like two things you mentioned mm-hmm. in, in when you were talking about this that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people should really like pay attention to this. But one is that it's hard, it's, it's not that it's impossible, but it's really hard to do it on your own. Oh. It's really hard to come out mm-hmm. of it on your own. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know you mentioned you went to CAPS. Mm-hmm. Were there any other people around you that helped support you and help you come out of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, my boyfriend was uh, the very first person that knew. Uh, and then I told my sister, but because of, you know, the problems that I have with my parents, I didn't tell my parents. And they still don't know, and I feel like it's better that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I'm an adult, and yeah. I want to take care of it. And it's also personal, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I had them. I have my friends, you know, my roommates. Um, I don't think I've ever told them either. Mm-hmm. And it might be because of that stigma, you know, like, oh, like, you might be crazy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my boyfriend was... To me, and it's still he still is a big supporter of of, of uh, you know my mental health or whatever, yeah. and and I also support him in any other category in any other way. Um, but yeah, I think it might have been him, or I probably find out on my own about caps. But he's always the one like encouraging me, like oh, like you should have made an appointment, or you know you're feeling like this. Uh, just always remind me, you know, that if I don't feel okay, it's totally fine to reach out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I know, like, you know, it's it's so hard to come out of that because, like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in it, it's like you're 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 only able to see through the lens of that like greatness or oh, that depression. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. single thing that comes at you, even if it's positive, like mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I really like. I'm like getting traces of like imposter syndrome. Almost. Yeah, 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 a you know, bit. yeah, like it's, it's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, like I can't do this. Like I'm not smart enough. Like yeah, you know why am I here? I'm wasting my parents' money. I'm wasting yeah. their, you know my time. So that's not true. Yeah, you know? and like you know that that's the other thing you know, and especially like after like as as I've like dealt mm-hmm. with whatever challenges that mm-hmm. I've had, you know, like mm-hmm. it's really it's really it's really important to like do things that help reinforce to you that you have value mm-hmm. or like you have your own self-value oh, right yeah, and absolutely. so I'm like curious to see if there are like I wanted to ask if there mm-hmm. are any things that you do to help like mm-hmm. like keep your self-esteem and mm-hmm. like keep like help you know your own worth and your yeah. own self-value and like value yourself that's yeah. like the biggest thing you know because yeah. when you value yourself nobody else can take that away from you yeah yeah, yeah. no one else matters right mm-hmm. like at the end of the day as long as you have a good view or like you know just a good image of yourself outside and inside then there should you know you should feel in balance so i would say well some things uh that that so i want to go back to therapy because i'm yeah. not in therapy so i think talking through you know how you feel and talking about your insecurities definitely help 
Um, so I wanna do. I wanna. I wanna go back to that. Uh, just because of time, sometimes I can't. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but yeah. you you definitely have to prioritize that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that is important. Um, another thing that I've been starting to do is take care of also like my outside. So you know my physical self, like such as I don't know. I'll like go get my eyebrows done mm -hmm. and things that I've never done before. Yeah. But it makes me feel so good. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's like. A little bit superficial yeah I feel like it's still like if you feel good externally then you should also you know it should reflect and onto how you feel internally yeah. at least to some extent but yeah so like getting my hair done or or my eyebrows done um, like buying some hair like you know some facial products that make my skin look better um, so little things you know are like buying I don't know this like really like delicious food that I've been mm -hmm. like craving and you know, just kind of like rewarding yourself. Yeah. So because like I love fast food, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like when I have really long days, I'm like I deserve a McDonald's, you yeah. know, like ma uh, uh, what is it called, a uh, uh, chicken uh, McChicken mm -hmm. or something like that. Like I deserve this. So treating yourself like once in a while because you know you've been working hard or because you've excelled at something, I feel like that's so important um, because you know you're you're just feeding into uh, who you are, you know, you're not gonna uh, be, you know, have imposter syndrome if you're actually like, you know, acknowledging your, um, acknowledging what, what you've gained, right? Acknowledging what you've done good or what you've excelled at. So I feel like that's one of the things that has been helping me a lot since, you know, I've been feeling like that. Um, but but yeah, those little things that really help, you, you don't have to like, do amazing, crazy things like, I don't know, trying to save the world, you know, like... <laughs> oh, that's so much pressure. Yeah, I love <laughs> But, you know, like, when you feel like you're, you know, you ha I have a lot of pressure. When I was growing up, I had a lot of pressure just, like, you know, to be successful. So I think, you know, if you put that much pressure on yourself, that could also become destructive later on. You know, you want to do good, you want to be happy, but most importantly, you want to find find your passion and work towards it. Whatever it is, even if it's, you know, something that probably won't, like, give you a lot of money, but if you're really, really good, you could definitely make a career on, on it because your passion will be able to shine through, right? Like, mm -hmm. people will be able to recognize that, and once they do, like, the world is yours. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm trying to get to, you know, like, where... I can find well. I know my passion, but you know, until I get there, it's yeah. gonna be. It's gonna take some time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And just I. This is kind of again another like more lighter-hearted <laughs> question after you know the heavy, heavy topics. But um, are you a music person? I, I love listening to yeah. music. I don't play any. Yeah. I used to play instruments, but uh, yeah. I love listening to music. Yeah. Who do you Who do you like to listen to? Uh, I love. Uh, so I've been listening to. I've been listening a lot to indie rock. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Tame Impala. Um, let's see, Arctic Monkeys, The Strokes. Um, I love a lot of that, like indie rock that is a little bit older. Um, I also like. Uh, when I'm trying to study, I listen to Radiohead. I don't know if you if you mm. heard about them, but they're one of my favorite bands. They're really old, but uh, they have so many albums, and their music is just kind of like electrifying, like where it takes you to, you know, whatever. Their music is a little weird, but whatever song they're playing, like it takes me to like a different place, you know. So yeah. it's it's very yeah. magical in a sense. So they're really good musicians, um, and I also like some. Uh, like oldies, you know, like eighties and nineties rock mm -hmm. because I grew up listening yeah. to it. But yeah. Do you like that? 
That's such a great question. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. I know, like, I. <laughs> no, I want to ask you <laughs> yeah. too. Um, you know, <laughs> my friend roasted me the, the other day because <laughs> I was like, oh, is, <laughs> is Olivia Rodrigo considered rock? <laughs> and she was like, you have disrespected me so much. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, like, I, I, I wouldn't say I listen to too much rock, but mm-hmm. I definitely know that I would appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I probably, I do, I, I, mm-hmm. I, bopped, I bopped to so many different kinds of music. Yeah. I love, um, so I sing Indian classical music. I oh, learned, wow. um, it's called Carnatic music. Uh-huh. And so I love that so much. And I listen to that. But I also, I really love um, R&B. Uh, oh really? Yeah, so like I mean like I love like especially like in like the current scene, like I love Chloe and Halle mm-hmm. and like her and Janae uh-huh. Aiko, Kehlani and I also love like a lot of like the vocal diva powerhouses. Like nice. I love Mariah Carey. Oh and my gosh, yes, Whitney Houston, oh. Christina Aguilera, Alicia Keys. Do you all like of Beyonce? I of course, oh, of course I know who doesn't. I love her too. <laughs> I love her. Oh my gosh. You know we share a birthday? No way. Yeah, we share a birthday. Like February 12th? Sorry? Wait. Oh, you share a birthday with Beyonce. Beyonce. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were t- telling me. And I was like, <laughs> no way you have my same birthday. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's super great. So, nice. yeah, I, yeah, I like, I, and I like, I'm all over the place. I love, like, French pop. Like, I, oh. like, I love, like, the music that we listen to in French class, you know, um, yeah, I love I love so many things. I could be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, but yeah. music, you know, I feel like everyone should at least like take the moment or while they're studying, just listen yeah. to something that they like because you're not just gonna be like I don't know, focused, you know, without anything on the yeah. background. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I really wanted to ask you. Um, and as I was doing my research, you know, mm-hmm. I saw your like GoFundMe page for oh, your you Peru did. trip. Oh my god! So I was, I thought it would be really cool, um, <laughs> and like you know, I could badger you with questions about it for hours. But like, <laughs> I was wondering if you could like tell me about that trip and tell it to me, like, give it to me like it was an itinerary, oh. or like tell like tell okay. me as many details, like bring me there. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. So you're.
the people's information before they saw the doctor. Um, I was also going to the pharmacy, and I was going to like Trip, you know, like, <laughs> oh no, please, like, 
please send me all the pictures because I would love to like for like promo or even like the episode art and like get to do something with that as okay. well. So like yeah, yeah. please please do I'm like <laughs> I don't wanna just post the same blue background <laughs> behind the beaker logo every single time. I'll send you a picture. I'll send yeah. you a picture. Oh yeah. experiences you kind of want to do like at least one I think like with that also it's like you know like I, I, I guess this is another question to mm -hmm. ask you also but like you know there's so much nonsense going on in the world right you know it's like really overwhelming it you is. know a lot of times so mm -hmm. like you know I mean getting to do something like this and it doesn't always have to be this extreme you know mm -hmm. like in your day-to-day -day life like help people out but like you know, I feel like that's one way to like cope with, you know, oh my goodness, there's so much nonsense going on yeah, in the world, right? It's yeah. like, there is nonsense, but I'm doing a small thing to You help, can do right? something about it. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's something little, you know, uh, I think it really, it really helps. If everyone does something little, you can definitely create change in society, you know, at mm. the end of the day. But absolutely, yeah. I agree with you. So it was an amazing experience, uh, rewarding. I learned so much. And I definitely see myself doing that in the future, you know, um, kind of changing the system a little bit too in Peru. Yeah. Um, just through it, policy. Also. How do how mm -hmm. how do you think that it needs to be changed? Oh, it needs so yeah. much work to do. Like, we have a government that it's not. <laughs> it hasn't been at it's like it's at a good point for so long. So the system, like the health system, is just like falling. You know, kind of like in the U.S., but. You st it's still standing, right? In the U.S. is still it's kind of okay, but in Peru it's falling. It's literally like people, poor people, just die because they can't afford to go to the hospital. You know, they can't afford the good doctors. Um, so only the people that are maintaining health, they're, they're like healthy, and they're only ones that are actually, um, you know, living longer are the the rich people. So that's a complete inequality in our system, and it needs to be fixed. So, because there's no, like, there was no hospital where these people were. Like, there was, there was a village of, like, 30,000 people. There was no hospital. There, there was a hospital a day away from, you know, from, from the place. So, implementing some sort of program, some, like, some sort of building more, um, like, outposts, like, medical centers, even if they're little. But there needs to be more, like, money put into that to actually create change and have doctors be there. Because these people haven't seen a doctor in, like, three years because of COVID or like two years. And of course they don't have the time to go out of the city of their little village and, you know, reach medical care because it's gonna be expensive and it's probably gonna be, you know, they're not gonna get what they were looking for. Um, so yeah, that's the, the, the perspective I got uh, from it, from the trip, like we were helping, but we were helping short term. Mm -hmm. These people need a long term solution. Like 
they need potable water, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of them, like, had parasites or had, like, I don't know if you heard, like, H. pylori, which is this bacteria that lives in the water, and it causes gastritis, and yeah. it causes ulcers, mm -hmm. and it can cause, also ca cause cancer uh, if it's not cured or if it isn't treated. Um, so that's what we saw, and, and, you know, that's where the change needs to, to start, like, through policy and through... Um, getting some more like funding from the government or even having funding from other places but at least having something established there because there's nothing mm -hmm. you know there's there's no system that helps the poorest people in Peru yeah mm -hmm. and, and someone has to start that so I hope that I can do that yeah <laughs> no that would be wonderful right? when you do that like I'll be like oh my goodness I got to talk with I got to talk with the Dr. Conchis. Oh, oh my goodness. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, one, day. <laughs> one day. I was also curious. This is like also something I feel like I've been a lot more curious about. Because when we talk about health disparities, mm -hmm. we often like talk about, you know, like, you know, like diet or like exercise or like heart disease right, and right, stuff right. like that. Diabetes. Diabetes, yeah. all mm -hmm. of those, which, yeah. which is there. It's, it's like, true, it's yeah. true, very mm -hmm. true. But one thing I've been a lot more curious about is mental health disparities. Mm -hmm. Like in, um, your experience mm -hmm. being there like is there first of all is there any mental health service that's the first right. question and even if, if if there isn't you know like or even if there is like how good is it or like if there isn't a system or like mm -hmm. can you like perceive like depression or despair like certain kinds of mental yeah. health challenges there yeah you know what it's a really interesting question because we didn't see a lot of people with like diabetes, for example, or uh -huh. cardiovascular disease in Peru. They were like, it was more like gastrointestinal, musculoskeletal, because these people work so much and they carry so much weight on mm. their shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, like thinking about it, thinking back, I only saw one person that suffered PTSD, but because she lived a super traumatic event. But the rest of the people like seem happy and sometimes mm. happier, you know, than yeah. like, people from the U.S. Although they were poor, although they were sick, they didn't have enough money to eat. They seem like just doing well. Uh, and I'm sure you can see that in other countries too, you know, although they might not be the richest, but sometimes they're the happiest or, or happier than other ones because they don't have, you know, all the constraints or the worries that, for example, living in a bigger city does. Like, you know, there's no, like, safety concerns, for example, in those villages. Like, there's, mm -hmm. you know, no people that are going to, like, steal from you or rob you, for example. They're not really dangerous. Um, you know, have, you know, there's not that stress of, like, I'm going to be late for work or mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, because these people just work in the fields and they don't have, like, a time they come in, right? Um, so I feel like a lot of those stressors coming from, like, a Western or, like, a bigger society, uh, they don't have those. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that could be one reason why they could be happier, even when, like, all the things in their life are kind of unstable. Uh, I'm not saying that's yeah. like a general statement, but at least that's what I saw. There was only one person uh, that I saw, and then another. There was there was some domestic violence though, so that's yeah. the, the trade-off, you know. These people like are in the house a lot, or they don't have like entertainment like us, or I don't know. Mm -hmm. They just you especially get into fights, and you see a lot of like like females dying because of their husband, you know, or, yeah. So I would say that's that's a problem, big problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so difficult to hear, no, you know. No, yeah. no. And uh, 
probably very difficult to see too. Oh yeah. I luckily I wasn't I didn't talk to that patient that was mm -hmm. suffering domestic abuse, but one of the doctors did and the way she described it she was like the doctor can do anything, you know, and it's kind of like Yeah. That's that's a that's a really mm -hmm. difficult thing with yeah. like healthcare in general, right? It's mm -hmm. like you like how do you this is always like a question I've a, like asked doctors about and this is something I've always been thinking about how can I handle it that's why there are certain specialties I don't want to go into yeah. <laughs> like for sure like I do not want to at least right now with my experience I don't want to be a psychiatrist oh, I, <laughs> I can't I can't hear handle hearing like trauma every day <laughs> in my life you know um but like you know how do you like I, I wonder if you've ever given any thought to this but like mm -hmm. how do you um, balance, you know, being empathetic as a healthcare professional mm -hmm. while at the same time maintaining that little bit of distance and like not attachment to your patient, right, you know, and like right. treat like you're as a doctor, like, mm -hmm. I mean, I know like it's changed a lot more because mm -hmm. where there's been a lot more focus on like whole health or mm -hmm. like holistic healing, right. but at the same time, it's like if you're if you're a uh, pulmonary surgeon you're fixing their lungs you're not fixing you're not really, their yeah. you know like mm -hmm. mental health challenges right, right? right, right. Yeah, so totally. I don't know like how how do you like, mm -hmm. have you thought about that like how do you deal with that kind of navigating that balance yeah yeah and, and this is kind of the things that was making me doubt myself if I wanted to pursue a medical career because growing up I was very sensitive to other people's emotions and I think that was also very empathetic mm -hmm. you know like I always put my myself into their shoes yeah. I always thought like how they felt and there was many instances where I, it just completely destroyed me right like mm -hmm. it just completely brought me down and I like realized I was sad all of a sudden or I was angry so I was taking those emotions in and making them mine which was definitely like not helping yeah you know? for sure um so i feel like after realizing the effect that it could have on you you kind of you just not like you just grow out of it but you just shift your perspective right like of course you know there's pain there's suffering in this world you know my friend is suffering or whoever whomever is suffering but i cannot make it my personal problem right like you can definitely be there for them you can you know give them all the support you want but at the end of the day if you don't have clear boundaries and i think that was what i've learned setting boundaries for yourself um you know with your friends with your family with your partner but also with your patients right so um i did have you know i what i had the chance to experience like just what you're telling me right like how healthcare professionals deal with um just patients that are dying or suffering all these different emotions i think the best people that uh, they're able to deal with it the best when they are set those boundaries and when they don't allow them to, you know, just break or when they're really uh, just set and, you know, they're not going to change their mind about it, if that makes sense. So, because when I was a medical interpreter, I did another, like, little medical mission in Mexico just for two days. We saw a lot of sick people that, again, didn't have money or didn't have resources. And just thinking like, wow, like that is really, really, really sad. You know, I don't know like how these people deal with it. Um, so I just remember, you know, like thinking about it and just like, you know, not letting me make me sad, but at the same time deal with all these emotions. But like, I remember just like, okay, like this is their life. I have my life. I have to continue on and I'll try, you know, whatever I could to help them. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to make those boundaries in order to not crush yourself or not, 
you know, have those emotions control you to the point that you will also, you know, feel like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an advice that helps for me, that helped me at least when I, you know, shadow or when I see patients, you know, through when I'm, I'm a medical interpreter. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you could try it or other people could, but I think yeah. that helps. Mm-hmm. Helps a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you go about, uh, well, first of all, like, is being a TA, like, mandatory for being in a graduate program? No. no. Mm-hmm. So then why did you decide that you wanted to be a TA, and what was that whole process like yeah yeah that's Mm -hmm. a great question so um i've always been involved in teaching or some sort of like tutoring well uh, well when i started my my university uh, Mm -hmm. of my university career so i always loved you know like having the chance to help a student like give them my tips that help with this class or assist them with any assignments and i always found like joy and just happiness with doing that Um, So I've been involved with that and then I did some more like leadership roles where I had like to present a workshop for like other tutors and that was the very first time I was behind like I was in front of a class and actually had to lecture only for like 30 minutes or Mm -hmm. something like that but that was really cool Uh, and I really love that you know being the lecturer and be able to communicate your thoughts and your ideas so I became a TA of course because it's a great just experience because I love it, uh, but it also helps to pay for my school because mm-hmm. I'm not paying for anything right yeah. now. So that's why it's just incredible. Like if you do want to pursue a graduate program, I was just getting into some TA where you could get some teaching experience because of course the money, like it's nice, but I feel so like rewarded when I teach. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm doing something, like I'm creating change, like hopefully I'm inspiring people. Um, even if I don't, you know, if I don't do that, like at mm-hmm. the end of the day, like it still feels great, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, also like portray that, you know, so to embody that uh, to my students. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And I also bet, mm-hmm. like you know, when 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 you're teaching, mm-hmm. you yourself get to relearn the material and understand it in a much deeper level. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. So that's another pro. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. another advantage. Uh, but yeah, so so that's why I got into teaching, and. And yeah, I did. I, you know, it's 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 been great. I, I love it, and uh, I I hope I can continue doing it for another semester. Yeah, and um, ha- are there any specific teaching strategies or things that you try to implement while you're teaching students? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we're doing a teaching workshop also through yeah. the um, through the physiology department. They do offer that. So they do show you like different strategies that you can use, but I would say like what I try to do is kind of ask like thought-provoking questions, you know, like not just give you the answer, you know, but if I tell you this works like this, for example, I told you, um, you know, men have a higher hematocrit than women, but why is that? You know, like I try to ask you as a student, even I haven't given you a lot of information, try to come up with something that makes sense. So try to integrate, because I feel like if you think about it, then I feel like you will be able to retain it, you know, at least instead of me just giving you facts and facts and facts and just lecturing mm-hmm. and boring, you know. So I try to ask questions. And I feel like also my teaching style has been like, you know, the developing through the years. 
uh, where I try questions, I try visuals, I try all the things, you know, I don't get stuck with one thing because I know like students have different learning styles as well. So you have to be considered, you have to consider that students learn in different ways. So you should also be able to adjust your teaching style to that. Um, and I feel like that's what makes the teacher probably just be outstanding, you know, or, or, or to or to just be a better educator. Because you're you're not just like doing your, your job, you're actually trying, right? You're, you're actually um, uh, just making sure that the the concepts are sticking you know they're, they're, they're just not you're just not delivering but they're actually making sense mm -hmm. and then they can make their own conclusions later on and then you know they can ask all the questions they want yeah. Uh, but yeah that, that's what I would say very um, interesting mm -hmm. yeah it's so I, it's that ability to adapt your teaching style mm -hmm. to the learning style of the students that when mm -hmm. like it demonstrates a teacher's mastery of a subject right because mm -hmm. like you have to really understand a subject exactly. in order to be able to adapt it you know exactly. and at the same time it also like shows like a teacher's like ability to perceive like mm -hmm. their students how they're learning and shows that they actually care for the students yeah, you know yeah and i think that's that's really important if you have a teacher that you you know they might not be the best because they don't really want you to succeed you know like you want your teacher to uh, just be involved, you know, in your in your career, of course. So, like, not just a teacher, but a mentor or a friend or anything, you know. Of course, like, with boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Going back to the boundaries, but but yeah, it's like be perceptive, uh, and also like like ask, you know, for feedback because that, that's what I, I I was gonna do next class. Like, ask, like, what would you wanna do? What would you wanna see? Do you wanna work in in, per, in pairs and groups by yourself? So, you also wanna like be really aware of of your of your class right um and also learn your students name so that's what i'm trying to learn yeah your name because i want to be able to like talk to you directly right like right. you're a person i'm a person like we're all here because we're learning right? right so yeah just be more personable and i feel like a lot of teachers just lack that because they don't want to get too involved but i want to get involved yeah yeah <laughs> i want to get to know you <laughs> just for the listeners out mm -hmm. there on the very first day of class like um imena had each one of us uh, associate an image or some sort of icon with ourselves that she would like put into this like little seating chart PowerPoint thing. So for me, I chose to be a pineapple because <laughs> I think very flamboyant and sweet but tough, you know. And I mean, like the, the pineapple, they're like the queens of the fruit, the fruit kingdom. They are. <laughs> you they know, are. they literally have their own crown. You know, um, that's amazing. <laughs> no, yeah, the yeah. things like that, you mm -hmm. know, that actually uh, shows sense that you care. Yeah, and you're actually a human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, we're all we're all students. Like I'm a student, and everyone's here to learn, and that's that's what matters. If you would just be willing to talk a bit about what the lab that you're working in does. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So my lab for my thesis, uh, we work on several proteins that are found in um, uh, neuronal cells. So in this case, what I'm looking at is at astrocytes. And uh, astrocytes, if you remember from Physio 201, uh, there are these cells that um, are able to, uh, for example, like if, it, if there's some like trauma or there's some injury in the brain, they're able to clear that out. So mm -hmm. um, uh, we're looking at this protein that is called GFAP, uh, and that's a biomarker, it's an indicator for multiple disease. So like multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, uh, for brain traumatic injury, uh, for Parkinson's disease, like this protein just gets up, you know, upregulated. There's a lot of it in the brain. 
Um, and what we're looking for is to see if we could actually develop an assay in order to be able to identify from whole blood. So it wouldn't have to be like uh, an invasive procedure. Mm. Yeah, so you will have to like just get your blood drawn, get it tested, and then see like if you know we could potentially like kind of like a preventative measure, right? Like, oh, you have this biomarker that perhaps indicates that you might develop like multiple sclerosis, or you know mm. you might develop Alzheimer's disease. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working on, and what I, I'm doing specifically right now, I'm working with. Um, that's the end goal, right? But uh, I'm working with rat brain, and I'm trying to purify this G5 protein that I'm telling you about, uh, because so we need that in order to develop antibodies, uh, because those antibodies then will be able to detect these proteins um, in in the in the whole blood. Got it. Very very cool. So <laughs> is it like is like the big big picture goal to be like just like get your blood drawn and then be like oh you might have the chance of developing these yeah. few things and then just be like okay so you should do these xyz like habits now so that like either you don't develop it or it's like not gonna impact you as severe like if for example somebody had i know there's i have to i don't have the sources to back this up yet but like i i've heard there's I mean, like, exercise is always like great oh, in general yeah. for like so many conditions Absolutely. but like you know somebody might have like the risk of developing parkinson's mm -hmm. like get an exercise plan in place or something yeah, right yeah. so like um mm -hmm. you like either don't experience it or like don't experience it as severely exactly you know yeah, because these diseases are uh neurodegenerative right mm -hmm. so at the end of the, the day if you do have like a very strong marker then you will have it but I feel like knowing beforehand definitely helps to put mm -hmm. those like measurements in place. But Create those support structures yeah, that you need yeah. to like sub deal with it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, and I, I definitely feel like there there could be other applications too. Mm -hmm. Like not just you know now they could use the same example and apply it to other diseases. You know, mm -hmm. like other autoimmune diseases, for example, that could be detected early on. Uh, if they're detected early early on, then you could start um, some sort of like immunotherapy, and then you won't you know have those. Uh, uh, you know, you won't suffer the damage as much, right, if you detect early. So that's, I think that's the, could one of the angles, right, as, as well, to have just these tools in place that we can apply just across multiple um, areas. Very cool. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, we I, could talk about We it could talk, we could do a whole other podcast episode <laughs> just about that. <laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to ask you if there are any habits that you've cultivated that you feel like have really helped you out in the long run mm -hmm. that you do on a frequent basis? Yeah, um, so definitely um, try to exercise mm -hmm. if it's like even for like a few minutes. You yeah. Know. I ride my bike to school mm -hmm. and just today I think because my lap is kind of far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exercise is great. I try to go to the gym consistently. I have to go back, but yeah, yeah consistently I try to go. Uh, also, like eating healthy, uh, healthy food, just um, having a whole food diet, right? Like incorporating different types of food in, in your in, in your diet. Um, definitely drinking a lot of water. Um, sleeping. I my sleep is like no one touches my sleep. I get like eight hours, or or I'm like just grumpy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> all day. Yeah. So sleep. There, I I could talk about sleep like for so long too. Oh my goodness, yeah, I. 
it's so important. <laughs> I need to fix my sleep <laughs> schedule. <laughs> no, no, we're yeah. talking about it. Yeah. yeah, like that's what I I'm like so diligent about sleep. Uh-huh. I go to bed early and I get up early and I get like my eight hours of sleep and I'm the best like the happiest person in the world. So mm-hmm. definitely fixing your sleeping habits yeah. could make a huge change in your life. Uh, there's a book called Why We Sleep. So mm-hmm. if you're more interested about learning the actual physiology that's going on inside your brain and how sleep is so important to you, definitely read it. Um, it you can find it on Amazon or mm-hmm. you know anywhere. But it's a really pop- popular book. So yeah, those are the things yeah. I would say. They're pretty simple, but yeah, yeah. And especially like also like the things that you say. I feel like. Um, Especially like exercise, for example, it's sometimes seen as like, oh, I need to get the summer bikini body or something like that. It's not about that. It's really about just keeping yourself healthy. And it's really, really good for your mental health, especially, you know, and it's so especially like if you're dealing with like depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. or things, it's not going to work immediately, but it definitely helps in the long run, you know, to just Mm -hmm. like um, get that aggression and sadness yeah. out, honestly, you know, no, in like a yeah. constructive way. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You're actually doing so good to your body, mm-hmm. right? Like there's all these chemicals, there's so much research out there that's, that uh, exercise is so good for you. Mm-hmm. Even when you're studying, right? Like yeah. you're able to even like get more focused. Like it's so crazy when, when you actually uh, apply this into your daily life, you can see a huge change and a huge improvement, yeah. um, not just to your mood, but also to like how you are. So that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And like sleep also is mm-hmm. so important for learning and like oh, yeah. if you're if you're going through mental health challenges mm-hmm. I, like I know like it's v- it can be very difficult but mm-hmm. sl- like trying to address your sleep mm-hmm. and keeping that consistent can really help. It may not necessarily li- at least from my personal mm-hmm. experience it doesn't necessarily like make you better but it definitely yeah. removes like one barrier to yeah. you getting better oh that, yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. sleep so, you know having a, a bad night's sleep i feel like that already like crashes your day you know that yeah. already like start you already start on the wrong foot if you don't mm-hmm. get a quality sleep as well not just like long but also good quality yeah. um, so that's why when you know you go to like for example uh you make an appointment with with a counselor or whatever they will ask you like how's your sleep right mm-hmm. because if that's impacted if that's not uh going as it's supposed to then that's an indicator that you might be you know experiencing some mental uh, mental uh, health issue mm-hmm. definitely okay last question <laughs> um <laughs> i promise so no the way. last question that i wanted to ask you is um what advice would you give to a so there are two ways you can answer this mm-hmm. or you could do both of them mm-hmm. what adva- what advice would you give to somebody who's pursuing like I guess medical school mm-hmm. or graduate school, mm-hmm. like or in the science in like physiology, like mm-hmm. that's one prompt. Or the other thing, other thing, and or the other thing you could answer is, what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? Oh wow. Um. So just uh, let's see. To answer the first question, I would say it doesn't matter how long it's going to take you, you know, because I feel like some people don't want to go through that route because it takes so long. It won't matter that you have to go through to eight or 15 years of of medical school or or just education. At the end of the day, if your passion, if your heart uh, is set on medicine, you should just, you should do it, right? You, You shouldn't see that as a barrier. What our barriers are, for example, uh, even money, like I feel like money is not even a barrier. You can get loans, you can get scholarships. Like if you really, really want to do this, then you will find a way. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
there's really little barrier other than could be I don't know a health issue but even that even mm -hmm. that you know that you could find a way uh, to accomplish your dreams so that's kind of the mindset I have right now like it take I know it's gonna take me so long I know it's taking me a while already but once you get there you're just gonna feel so fulfilled and you know like it's gonna be worth it mm -hmm. um, regardless of how many barriers of how many hardships you have to experience that's even what makes it more worth it right that's what makes it more valuable at the end of the day because you know there's some doctors that do you know do become doctors but they have all the money they have all mm -hmm. the resources right do, do they actually feel the same way as when you know someone that has experienced many hardships probably not you know they, they're probably happy but you know their focus is probably money or you know other things but prestige yeah yeah, yeah exactly but yeah. It, you know it doesn't matter uh, it, nothing matters as long as you just keep pushing and um, you know keep fighting towards your dreams like I think that's that's what I've learned like coming to the US here like you know being international there's so many barriers that are gonna come my way but I'm just gonna take it you know one day at a time and I think that's what I would also advise that to people like I know you have many exams I know you have all these things to do but take it a, a day at a time if you uh, are able to you know manage your time uh, even for a day that's fine just go through every day and be your best self because you'll get there you'll definitely get there mm -hmm. and is that the advice that you would give to a younger version of yourself definitely mm -hmm. yes totally yeah I wish yeah I would have known that better <laughs> <laughs> but yeah those are great questions <laughs> awesome well is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? You asked me everything. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think so. But that was a great, um, that was a great set of questions that you prepared. So awesome. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much for having. Thank you for being so <laughs> open and honest and giving so many like practical pieces of advice and tips. <laughs> you know, I mean, I learned so much, and I'm pretty sure our listeners will learn a lot. Behind the Beaker is a Daily Wildcat science podcast created by Alexandra Perry. The Daily Wildcat, online all the time at dailywildcat.com. Thank you so much, Imena Kanchis, my co-host Jillian Barch, multimedia editor and producer Pascal Albright, the Science Desk, and Arizona Student Media. Behind the Beaker is a podcast about the unbelievable science and even more unbelievable scientists behind it at the University of Arizona. For more U of A science stories, visit dailywildcat.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Daily Wildcat. <clears throat> also check out our socials. All of them are at Beaker Behind for sneak peeks of episodes and to see pictures of the research talked about in the episodes. This has been Behind the Beaker, a Daily Wildcat podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and rate our show. Have a lovely week, Beaker Seekers. See you next time.